Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yes, that's right. Purple Daily. Last week, number seven in the Apple rankings because you people are awesome. You love the Vikings, and I guess you love us, too. And now you're saying, but where's Mackie? Without Mackie, what are you guys going to do? It's Judd. It's Declan. Phil on assignment. But you know what? The star of the show is not us because this is a draft Tuesday with our buddy Thor Nystrom of Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. You can find him on Twitter at ThorKu. Thor KU. Um, he is he is right now. His voice is good still, but it's going downhill because, ladies and gentlemen, it's draft season. And Thor doesn't sleep. He mocks and pounces on scouting reports. So, Thor, thank you for carving out time. And I want to start here. Uh, I want to start. You, you do a ton of scouting and mock things. Uh, but the Vikings had an interesting, and I actually agree with it, strategy in free agency, for the most part, signing young players who a few years ago, you obviously probably did pretty big workups on as draft picks. So we have not talked to you about this, but let's start with when it comes to Byron Murphy Jr., who was a cornerback for the Cardinals, who has signed here to a two-year contract, Marcus Davenport, a 26-year-old defensive end who was with the Saints, and in particular, Josh Oliver, a 25-year-old tight end who was with Baltimore and signed a three-year contract. Guys who are coming out of their first contracts, what are your thoughts on what Quasi Adolfo Mensa was able to do in that first wave of free agency? I, I, I loved what he was able to do. You know, it, it's it's out with the old and, and sort of in with the new, and, and you're not – you're both jiving your books going forward, right? Not over leveraging yourself with the cap with those signings, but you're doing so with reasonable contracts with guys that, that you have untapped potential left there that are also scheme fits for Brian Flores. They didn't, the Vikings didn't have much flexibility as we talked about, you know, for the the month or two lead up to the start of the, the league calendar year. And, and they were still able to, to make these moves. So I, I thought it was really smart what they'd done, and it sort of gives you an indication heading into the draft of, of what the direction could be short-term, but really smart moves. Thor, so you're, a, you're a betting pro. You're, you're a fantasy pro guy. So with, with Byron Murphy Jr. now gone, if there was a money line before the signing of Byron Murphy Jr. that, hey, what's the odds the Vikings draft a quarterback, yes or no? And let's call it you know as, as a yes of, minus 120 and and no as in minus 110 does the, has that shifted for you now that they've taken byron murphy jr is it less likely that they probably reach for a cornerback now at pick 23 
A thousand percent. Yeah. And and we had even talked about this like before the Murphy signing of you have so many young guys in that room. Does it make sense to then also delineate your first round pick to that? Or, you know, would you rather try to sign a veteran and then, you know, maybe maybe you use a, a later on pick to just sort of augment the depth and then get another sort of fly, uh, flyer uh, lotto ticket and, and try to hit. I think it makes more sense the direction that they're going with it. Obviously, we know how bad that Vikings cornerback room is. So so certainly the, the signing of Byron Murphy does not mean that the Vikings are done. But, yeah, it, it takes sort of the, the proverbial, you know, uh, loaded gun away from your head in terms of they don't have to do that uh, initially in round one. It, it opens up more possibilities. So on, on those three guys too, Thor, give me your thoughts starting with – Murphy and that move give me your thoughts on those players because they all signed very reasonable short-term contracts so I guess in the Vikings mind there is a bit of a gamble here but that being said I love the philosophy of going after young players and not trying to sign a guy coming out of his third contract who is 30 years old so starting with Murphy Davenport and Oliver your thoughts on each one what they bring and what might be some hesitancy if you were the Vikings about what might go wrong. Yeah, I think with with Murphy, it's it's versatility both in terms of he can play inside and outside, and then it's versatility with the the zone against the man thing. The the and and I think one of the the big positives of it is you don't have to go into camp saying Byron Murphy, you are this, you're going to be this on our defense. I, I think in camp, it you can see you know the development of Booth, you can see the development of Evans, and then whoever else the Vikings are able to get it opens up more possibilities of it doesn't necessarily have to be a nickel or it doesn't necessarily have to be an, uh, an outside guy. You can wait for guys to fall into your price ranges because you know that Byron Murphy can start either or. He can start on the outside or he can start in the nickel. You know he's going to take one of those spots. So so that's what I, I like about that. Um, he was a guy at Washington. He played a ton of zone coverage for for Jimmy Lake, the, the, the guy, you know, the defensive coordinator who then became the head coach. And then uh, 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 Peterson, the, the, the head coach before that, the, the only thing that I, I wonder about with him is how viable he's going to be in those scenarios where he's on an island in man coverage. I, I know he's a super clever uh, zone defender, both in terms of knowing his assignment there, not not sort of straying from that. And then also he, he has that, that really good instinct of like the, the zone defensive backs up. Now I can leave my station and crash down because either the quarterback is broken containment or it's, it's a running play, whatever. Whereas some of those corners, they just don't want any part of going downhill. So they're, you know, they're grabbing the receiver, like, Hey man, you're supposed to block me right now. Um, that, that, that's not Byron Murphy. You also get the, the blitzing utility with Byron Murphy, but, but yeah, I mean, he, he opens it up a lot more just in terms of the situation the Vikings are in with, with their cornerback room. Uh, as, as far as Davenport, that one's a pretty, uh, you know, and I mean, it's just the replacement for Zedaria. So you get younger and then you get the guy where it's just that pure downhill. We, we talked about like the speed to power uh, freight train thing with Davenport screaming off the edge. What you don't want with, with Davenport, you don't want him dropping into coverage. You don't want him having to run with people in space, stuff like that. But you have the special sauce of his speed and his power and the way those two things play off each other and how because it's those two traits are so elite even NFL offensive tackles, they're terrified by that. So that flowers out other possibilities for his game in terms of counters and different stuff like that. Davenport, the, the weakness of his game, he's not a super-duper agile guy, 
Um, but if you can teach him more, like I, I think where his game starts to hop up and, and, and he's still along this point of his evolution of the counter moves and stuff like that. And Brian Flores, he, he has such an attacking ethos and Marcus Davenport is such a downhill attacking player. Or again, you don't want him playing back and, and stuff like that. You want him attacking every single play. I, I think that's a really good fit as well. And if if Davenport doesn't uh, work out this season, okay, that's fine. Bye-bye. You know, he, he doesn't take up any cap room going forward. But if he does work out, you have some of the mechanisms where, where you can ensure that he's going to be around, even if it's just on a one-year deal via, via the franchise tag, if, if he really blew up. And then the, the thing with Oliver – that was more interesting to me in terms of offensive philosophy overall. You know, I, I think that surprised a, a whole lot of people just because it's like, well, you already have Hawkinson, so why do you need another tight end? Well, the reason that you did it is because they intend to have the 12 personnel be their base. What does that mean? It means probably the slot receiver is now off the table. We had talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba being, you know, a potential option. You know, like if he runs at, at his at his pro day in Ohio State's uh, coming up this week, might be t- either today or tomorrow. Like it's coming up real soon. But if if he runs poor in the forty, and he probably is going to, because the one thing like he, Jackson Smith and Jigba, his tape is awesome. But like the one thing is when he gets out in space, you saw this over and over again. He gets chased down by the, like both opposing cornerbacks, but also opposing safeties. There's even times where, where linebackers could get him from behind. But the shiftiness was great. But because of that, he's confined to the slot but now the vikings they have the slot taken care of between hawkinson and oliver so now you're looking for the true outside receiver on the other side that can disincentivize the defense from at will bracketing over the top and or doubling justin jefferson every single play the the the, the Vikings, like kevin o'connell is a super duper smart offensive mind he's one of the best offensive minds that we have in the the nfl certainly up and coming uh young offensive uh, minds like that he knows dang well this is all about a spacing thing and once we get uh, we can disincentivize the defense from being able to just delineate two guys to Justin Jefferson every single time that now Justin Jefferson he can do way more things than he was even doing last year when he was doubled more than than anybody whatever the way that you do that is having a receiver on the other side that can take advantage of the single coverage every single play Obviously, Adam Thielen could not do that. We all love Adam Thielen, but his athleticism had depreciated to the point where he could no longer get separation in man coverage. He still had the good hands. He still ran super smart routes and everything like that, but he just couldn't create the separation because, again, that athleticism had depreciated. You need that guy on the other side that's going to terrify the, the defense. And so um, that's where I think, you know, we're going to start to talk about the draft here in a little bit. I, I think, you know, barring a big move for that wide receiver too, I think that is the enormous leader in the clubhouse right now for where the Vikings will delineate that first round pick. Hey, Thor, looking at the cornerback room uh, in, in a minute here, obviously they signed Byron Murphy Jr., but also they have a bunch of other rookies or first-year players here that they're going to trust in that cornerback room from a Caleb Evans to Andrew Booth. And I know those guys battled injuries. You have hopefully Lewisine coming back from his compound fracture. If you were a GM, do you, do you feel that you're comfortable enough with a cornerback room of essentially Byron Murphy Jr., who's a vet, who's been around four years, but then also behind him, it's essentially guys who haven't played or are entering the year two. Do you think that's a good bet for that defense to turn around with such young players on that uh, on a defensive side of the ball that is very important to stop, or are they too susceptible to, to being exposed for big plays? Yeah, n- not right now. They they need to keep adding there. Um, I, you'd like the at least the one other corner that you feel comfortable starting. Whether that ends up being, I think Duke Shelley's still out there. You know, I, I don't know how they see him, but at least he would be the the insurance policy 
for if, for instance, Andrew Booth doesn't take that step forward in camp, or if you don't trust the Caleb Evans on one of the sides, whatever. If both those things don't happen, maybe a guy like Duke Shelley or a different veteran that, that you went out and got. And then, of course, you have to figure out the slot because if Murphy's going to be on one of the outside things, you have to have the slot guy. Uh, Shannon Sullivan last year, you know, what he was solid at, it was coming up and, and, and addressing the run or whatever, but the rest of the stuff with coverage was bad. There were some games where, where the Vikings were just getting sliced and diced in the intermediate area by the slot receiver because that's just not something that Shannon Sullivan, uh, I don't know if he was ever great at it, but he certainly was not last year. So the Vikings have to get a stickier guy in that slot. Murphy would be great at it, uh, both because you get him closer to the quarterback, closer to the box. He's very, Byron Murphy, very good against the run, very good when he's sent on the blitz, and you don't have a long pass path to the quarterback when you're coming from the nickel there but if if you don't do that you need him on the outside arguably a more you know well not arguably a more valuable position if, if you're going to be addressing him the wide receiver one on the other uh, team or whatever then you need that that true slot as well so I, like in in you know short story long uh it, to, to your your question is they need at least one other corner that is going to be the day one starter and then i think you figure it out from there it'd be awesome if the guy that they could find for that also had the versatility for the inside outside, so then you could you could truly get them all in the room, you know, in camp, and then you could you could figure out just the way that it went, and then you're not banking on this has to happen and this has to happen and this has to happen and this has to happen for the Vikings to have a competent secondary. You want to cut those ifs down to like one or two and not like five. I'm gonna ask you a super inside geeky football question, but I feel like you went down football. that path, so I'll throw the door open for it. How close are we, and and Byron Murphy might be great. I got no clue. Like, he might be great. He might be average. I don't know. But anyway, how close are we in what's really becoming more and more with the good coordinators, a positionless um, a positionless place? I mean, defense is becoming much more versatile to a slot corner and an outside, or to a guy moving, depending on situations and looks, to, okay, on first down, I'm going to play um, outside. If I'm Brian Flores on second down, I'm going to move him inside. And I'm going to provide different looks. Because, I, I, you know, I think about the one thing that that Zimmer did for so well for so long was think about his use of, of Harrison Smith at safety, right, Thor? I mean, he was – it was genius. He'd be up. He'd be back. You had no idea. So what would stop you from – because – the one thing I think we all need to accept is the slot corner now is incredibly valuable. You know, Antoine Winfield was probably the best I've seen there, but that position now is incredibly important, and a lot of good guys play the slot receiver. So do you think we're getting closer to a point where where a guy's versatility, uh, instead of just being I'm the nickel corner, but to move inside and outside is actually coming? And could this be a case where he might actually play both at times? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. I, th- that was very well said. Very well set uh, set up, Judd. We we talked football. about th- this in terms of the offenses. How that's becoming way more positionless. You look at a team like the Forty ers where you could never predict where the guys are going to line up in the formation when they come out of the huddle. They they could have the wide receiver in the backfield. They could have the fullback in the slot. They could have the tight end out wide. Like you, you just don't know. And then the same thing with the defense. That the more multiple the defense can be, or the more positionless the defense can be by definition, the, the more apt they will be to be able to address those machinations of these offenses that, that are doing all these these weird positionless things like the 49ers and some of these other, the Rams, some of these other teams that are super advanced with their schematics. 
Thor, were you surprised right. with the Josh Oliver signing, given that how deep this tight end class is, that they kind of go out and they get a, you know, a, a basically a very blocker-heavy tight end in Josh Oliver, who's damn good at his job, don't get me wrong, but are you surprised that they didn't go to the draft to find that well, to find someone uh, on the blocking side or just any type of supplement to TJ Hawkinson? Oh, yes. I mean, like, initially for sure um that you know because that was one of the very first signings that came and you just were not you had all these other holes on the roster and you know like i i just wasn't thinking that that tight end was one of them but i was just under the supposition that the vikings were going to move to the three wide receiver base and that you know that's that was my mistake we talk about the 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 multiplicity of some of these different offenses a lot of the times the the way that that's being done is whether you have the h back whether you have the fullback or whether you have the two tight ends on the field, all those offenses that we're just talking about, one of those three designations applies to them. And so the Vikings, you know, that seems like that's what they're doing. I'm not sure what the Vikings are doing with, with CJ Ham, but when you think about like Ham or Irv Smith and, and some of those guys like in a Quagmire and you just yank them out and you put Josh Oliver in there for them, it, this stuff starts to make sense. I, I do like your point, Dex, about, you know, you, you, you didn't have much cap room and then you delineate X amount of it to Oliver and, it's within this uh, situation where this draft class, one of the better positions is tight end. And so you potentially could have saved that money for a different position and then used one of your picks on tight end. But then we get into the other problem that the Vikings had where you have the lack of draft equity, where you have the late first rounder, you have no second rounder, you have the late third rounder, and then it's you have the two fifths. And then, you know, they, they only had five picks total. One of those is the fifth uh, comp pick or whatever. You know, the Vikings could still trade some veterans to get more draft picks. They could still trade down in, in the first round and get more picks. But where they sit now, you have very little flexibility also in, in the draft. And at least by doing the Oliver thing, again, indicating you're going to the 12 personnel, stuff like that. Now that you, you can take one of those receiver positions off the board as far as a need. And KJ, KJ Osborne, like, like I love KJ. Like, you know, I, I know everybody loves KJ. This is not me ripping on KJ or whatever. But KJ, what his role should be is wide receiver three on this offense where it's the 12 personnel, where then KJ can come in, give a blow to, let's say it's, you know, let's say it's the rookie on the outside. Uh, let's say it's the, a first round pick, whether it's Quentin Johnson, whether it's a Flowers, um, you know, we'll, we'll just toss those two names up. KJ can come in, give those guys a blow and then talk about the multiplicity it doesn't mean Josh Oliver going to be on the field all the time. He's going to need a blow. And they're also going to want, you know, schematically in terms of the formation, there's going to be all sorts of situations where they do want three true wide receivers out there. So then Osborne comes in there. That's where he gets his snap sort of coming off the bench. He's sort of like, uh, uh, well, n- n- now it's really going to seem like I'm shooting strays at him, but I was going to say like sort of the Nick Punto like type utility <laughs> guy where he's he's coming oh, in and mixing. Now and you cross the like line. I, I cross the line. I I, sh- I should have just kept <laughs> that one holster, but that that's the role he should be in. So you need the receiver on the outside for Jefferson. Thought off of that, which, which is going to delve into the geekiness path that you just went down offensively. But before I get to that, I want to talk about my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're looking in the mirror and you're thinking, man, winter has taken its toll. Have I got the answer for you? Lose weight now. And as I said, weight control, it's not a diet. It's not a fad. It is a plan that that works. In fact, uh, Steve, who is a fan of the show, sent me a note a few weeks back. He said, I'm thinking of joining. Should I join? I said, absolutely. It works. Guess what? sent me a note on Sunday, Steve's down 18 pounds. And you can have that exact success quickly. And here's the best part. They're going to help you. The dietitians, experts at Livia are going to help you keep that weight off. 
And so you are going to feel good, look good, and most of all, you're going to be able to, because of the help you'll get, sustain it. I got more good news. Eight weeks for free. Yes, that's right. Your first eight weeks for free. 855-GO-LIVIA, livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Check them out. If I can do it, a ton of our our listeners have uh, said that they've lost weight as well. So can you, L-I-V-E-A.com. Okay, off the tight end point. Excuse me here, but this is a great geek football session. This is awesome. Off the tight end point, uh, I'm with you guys. Like that, that signing was like, huh? Really? You really are going to address this? But here's where two things I think have have caused us to not think like O'Connell thinks. One is we were not surprisingly Zimmerfied. So one is most of the help came defensively, right? Like they were looking for help defensively, and that's where Mike put his priority. And I totally get that. He was a defensive guy. The other thing, and this is where I think it gets really intriguing, Thorpe, is so we look, and this is the traditional thing, at the tree you come from. And we say, okay, what Sean McVay did, what what Shanahan did, that's what O'Connell is going to do. But what I submit to you is a smart offensive mind never rests. He's like you right now. He's not like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I've always done that. They're like, what can I change? And don't forget, while it's not the same offense, the Chiefs started to use a lot of 13 personnel last year. I'm not sure if they did it previously, but they did it a lot last year. And what does all of that do? Why three tight ends? The illusion of complexity. You're confusing teams and you are creating up run situations where you intend to pass. So what I would say is, is and, and also uh, Hawkinson in, in, in O'Connell's mind, excuse me, is far more of a pass catching threat. He's not a blocker really. So I think guys like O'Connell say he's a hybrid receiver. Oliver is a pure tight end blocker. Now let's say they keep another t- tight end or find a use for CJ Ham. So teams are like, okay, they're running the ball. But now you got a guy who's quick enough opposite JJ. My point is, I think this all goes to the the constant evolution that we need to be aware of that we are now going to see offensively that we didn't see for years here. And that's why I think this makes more sense to them than it probably does to us when we see the moves. Yeah, a thousand percent. You want to, you know, you want to keep the defense off the beat of what you're doing. It's one of the reasons why every time you do a play action, it by the stats, it adds a half yard to like every run, like something like that. And one of the ways that you can do this is by the very players, by by being multiple and all the different formations that you can do with guys like this, guys that you can move into the different spots. You know, Hawkinson can line up in, in all these different places. Oliver's going to be able to line up in all these different places. If Ham is around, you can motion him around and stuff like that. And I, I totally agree with your point. P- people think of, like, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and it's like, oh, it's, you know, bombs away or whatever. But, yeah, in the, in, you know, like all season, and then, of course, in the you know, you get up into the Super Bowl, whatever. People think about Kelsey, but then the Noah Gray guy was playing all the time, and then I – the kid from Duke. And then I, I forget who yep. the other guy was on the field, but like it was the same sort of thing. The chiefs were moving now towards what the, the 49ers are doing, what the Rams are doing. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, Judd, you, you set that up well about you get the efficiency out of those guys in the passing game. You, you introduce more doubt in, into the defensive's head of what pl- the play could be or, or even where the players are, are going to line up or whatever. And then you also have more beef on the field for when you do run the ball. So it, I mean, it starts to make a lot of sense. 
Thor, your thoughts on Alexander Madison coming back. So I, I feel like with him coming back, it, it still signifies a Dalvin Cook trade still could maybe happen here. They're now paying, and I know Madison's under a very team-friendly deal still. It's not like they overpaid for Alexander Madison. But with Madison back, do you still think that they're waiting on the right trade call for Dalvin Cook, or do you see a path where maybe it is, it is again, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison as RB1 and 2 respectively uh, next season? I think they're waiting on a trade call for Dalvin Cook. I, I I think they have an offer in hand that that was reported. I don't know what team it's from, but I think they know what pick they could take like right now. But I like why take it right now? I, I'm sure they're just waiting to see will any other team get in. You're waiting to see what the dominoes are in the, the you know the running back free agency or whatever. And if another team gets more desperate. Um, and then maybe you get a better pick than, you know, was currently offered or whatever. But yeah, with, with the, the cap constraints that the Vikings had, and then also bringing, you also, of course, have uh, Chandler and, and Wangu are still on their rookie deals. There wasn't, you know, like if, if it's for sure we're bringing back Delvin Cook, I didn't see the reason why they had to re-sign Madison, even at, you know, more or less a reasonable price for, for what that guy is. I, I think it's more, yeah, you're bringing him back because then, you don't have to delineate all the money because you know the Delvin money going to be out the door. And then hopefully with the pick that you trade, that you, you acquire for trading Delvin, that pick can just be, it's a one-for-one one thing where you can take the running back in the draft with that pick. And the other thing I'll say is this draft, there's parts of it that aren't as good and there's some positions that aren't as good. I mentioned one, we, we talked about tight end before is, is a good position in this draft. Uh, defensive backfield is a good position in this draft. Running back is too. Uh, everybody talks about Bijan, and then sometimes, you know, like the, the tier two of, of Charbonnet and Gibbs. But even beyond that, this running back class is super duper deep. I I, I turned in my, my running back rankings uh, last week for work. I ranked out the top 16 guys. It was hard to for the 16 because, like, there's guys that are, like, 17 to, like, 24 that it's like I'm trying to get them room onto the top 16 because I like those guys too. And, and it's not like they're going to be stars in the NFL. But the reason that the, the depth is great in this class is because, like, all those guys in that range, they do one or two things really well where you can project them into the NFL as being super-duper good complementary backs. Uh, Madison's sort of a usage-specific guy himself. They could figure, you know, and Ty Chandler, you, you figure out sort of what those two guys' skill sets is in this world, you know, this hypothetical world where it's a post-Delvin uh, world, whatever. And then you already know your two guys. And now you could, you know, whether it's a, a third-round pick, whether it's a fourth-round pick, whatever, you select a running back that perfectly complements the skills of Madison and Chandler. And then you just roll it forward like that. And then the Vikings would now, they, they go from having one of the more expensive running back rooms in the league to one of the least expensive uh, ones in the league. Quasi is an analytics guy all day long. That's what the Vikings, I think, are moving towards. Absolutely. So you you touched on this briefly, but now with the first wave of uh, free agency done, how do you think the conversations in the Vikings draft room are going about that uh, first round pick? I think the the heavy leader in the clubhouse right now has to be the wide receiver too. If they don't, if the Vikings do not acquire a, a legit starting caliber outside receiver to play across from Justin Jefferson, they could beat single coverage prior to the draft. Um, I hope that a sports book puts out the odds that the Vikings will take a wide receiver because I will be hammering that. Like, it, it just seems like, and Joe, we were talking about these even before free agency about like, man, why aren't people talking about the wide receiver two thing more about, you know, the Vikings taking the wide receiver in the first round. And now it's like, yeah, the Vikings might have been on that that same train because every move that they've made, 
it, it, it has just increased the possibility that they're going to use that first round pick on the receiver. Again, th- there could be a move that, that changes that. But right now, everything that they have done facilitates taking that, that wide receiver with the first round pick. The mm-hmm. other one that, that I would toss out potentially is the interior defensive line, right? Like, you know, you you did sign Dean Lowry, you know, okay. uh, you know, and Dean Lowry, he's, he's okay. He's going to occupy the guy in front of him, you know, the kid from Northwestern, you know, and he came from that other team. We don't like to say their name. Um, and then you got Harrison Phillips there. But right now, the other guy that would be starting there is Tonga. Well, I, I really liked Tonga last year in the in the flashes where he got on the field or whatever, but we never seen him for the long extended things. And he's a big boy where where the um, stamina could be an issue anyway. You might want to have Tonga as the, the fourth guy coming in. So it, it would be more advantageous if the Vikings get one other starter there. If they don't sign the the like another starter for the defensive line beforehand, that would be the other position right now that you'd have to look for. But I, I think it's going to be one of those two. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. All right, Thor, should we look at some mock drafts here? Should we do it? Let's do it. All right, let's do it here. Let's, let's look at some, uh, some mock drafts. A couple mock drafts uh, so far that have come out uh, on this Tuesday morning. We have one from, of course, Mel Kuyper, the uh, godfather of all mocks. We have a very interesting one from Daniel Jeremiah. We talked about that on another episode of Purple Deal with Phil, which you can find on this YouTube channel. We'll get Thor's thoughts on that momentarily. Let's start, though, with the Kuiper one here, um, Thor. So number one overall, Carolina Panthers, they take C.J. Stroud. So Adam Thielen uh, gets his rookie uh, quarterback there. He thinks they can win a Super Bowl, although he did say Andy Dalton was a big reason he went there. So whether it's Stroud or Andy Dalton, uh, Adam Thielen has two options to throw him the football. Good luck to him. Yeah, Adam Thielen might just, uh, he should just maybe close his mouth for a while. He hasn't <laughs> been saying super smart things this offseason. Uh, Panthers are going to finish with like five wins next year, but good luck to him in Carolina. Bryce Young to the Texans at pick two. Uh, Will Levis, the quarterback to Kentucky at pick three. So, Thor, quickly, I'll, mm. I'll stop on stop on him there for a minute. I've seen mocks, especially in the last week, that have him now going in the late teens. Why, yeah. why, why is his, because when the mocks first started coming out about eight weeks ago and then like, pre-senior bowl when you were there I feel like he was mostly a consensus top 10 pick now his stock is falling now in this mock he doesn't but why do you think his stock has been falling lately well I think I think cooler how do you say cooler heads are starting to prevail on, on Will Levis there there are things to like about him he he has a great arm he also has a big personality that captivates people he's a funny kid and everything he's a team leader whatnot but we talked about some of the, the glaring red flags on his eval. One of the huge ones is he doesn't sense pressure whatsoever. And once it gets onto the doorstep, for him quicker than others, because he just doesn't sense it coming from the other side, and then he can get in his grill really, really quick. He makes poor decisions when you finally realize, like, oh, crap, like I have to do something, whatever. The sack rate he takes on pressures is extremely elevated. 
the amount of times he puts the ball up for grabs when he's under duress is extremely elevated. And then the other thing is the kid doesn't pay any mind to his mechanics. It's one of the reasons why his accuracy isn't nearly as good as his arm talent would indicate. And so people out there that are trying to sort of argue for him, it's like, well, just fix the mechanics. And then, you know, everything will lock in. He's going to be an all pro. Well, when the kid is constantly panicking under duress, how can you cleanly project that you're going to be able to fix the mechanical thing when that's all about discipline? In those moments, I like that's where the bridge becomes too far. I think people are starting to the, the jig is up on Will Levis. Interesting. Should we, hey Thor, should we be concerned that there are uh, rumblings out there that the Vikings like him? Um, I mean, like if if the Vikings didn't have to trade up and you're at 23, just yep. because of the position and the value of the position, and like like I think there's less way less of a shot than a lot of folks do that Will Levis turns into an NFL star. But there is a clean path to it. You just have to fix those mechanics, and you have to fix this his, his thing under pressure. If the Vikings think that they could do that, all of the, uh, the other tools are there. His arm is absolutely fabulous. If he falls to 23, just because of, of the position it is, it's juice worth the squeeze just on, on the dice roll of it. So, yeah, I would do it there. I absolutely would not trade up whatsoever to get Will Evans. Juice worth the squeeze. My goodness, I love it. Football. Uh, Will Anderson Jr., linebacker, goes to the Cardinals at pick four. Anthony Richardson to the Seahawks at pick five. Uh, Jalen Carter, who was at, at one time was the uh, consensus number one overall pick, I feel like, as falls to the Lions to pick six, so they get a defensive stalwart there. Skipping around a little bit here, let's go to the Bears. The Bears take uh, Paris Johnson Jr., an offensive tackle out of Ooh. Ohio State for Justin Fields at pick nine. Let's see. Other ones, we got some cornerbacks, we got some offensive linemen. Uh, Lucas Van Ness to the Packers at pick fifteen. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't want the Packers to take him because I'm an Iowa grad and I, I love Lucas Van Ness, <laughs> so I don't want the Packers to take him. But yeah, Lucas Van Ness is a very, very talented kid. Uh, another, we talked about Marcus Davenport being a speed to power freight train. That is also what Lucas Van Ness is, and he's still coming up. Uh, we didn't like he start. Lucas Van Ness started zero games in college, which has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with the way that Kirk Ferentz does the hierarchy, where everyone on the roster they have to sit behind the guy above you know him or whatever and prove it. The only people that don't have to prove it on on Ferentz's staff it's his kids. A little run on cornerbacks. Emmanuel Forbes of the Commanders at sixteen. Deontay Banks oh, to the Steelers at seventeen. Yeah. Like Forbes, that's just too early because he weighed in at like 160 at, at the at the combine, he's, and he's sort of a riverboat gambler as well. But like he obviously wanted to test better, so he, but like he was already a skinny kid. Uh, like the the Cam Dantzler stuff, you know, with in the Vikings, like I think people are going to start to get PTSD with the Cam Dantzler thing if the Vikings were sniffing around Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, the Lions take the tight end Michael Meyer out of uh, out of Notre Dame, so another uh, pass catching threat there for Jared Goff. First wide receiver off the board, Jackson Smith and the Jigba to the Seahawks at pick 20. The Chargers take Dalton Kincaid, so a run on pass catchers mm-hmm. here. Zay Flowers of the Ravens at pick 22, and then the Vikings on the clock. At pick 23, take Quentin Johnson. Oh, great. Out yeah, of TCU. So Kuiper says, uh, I'm switching gears a bit here. I had the Vikings protect to take a cornerback, and they could still go that way, but Adding Byron Murphy uh, helps fill that void. Johnson uh, helps fill the rece- uh, receiving hole that Adam Thielen left. I know K.J. Osborne has earned a bigger role in Minnesota, but there's room for Johnston, too. How would you feel about a little three deep there with uh, Justin Jefferson, Quentin Johnson, and K.J. Osborne? 
I, I would love it. Um, the Vikings, we, we, we almost have to root for Quentin Johnston to not just absolutely eviscerate the 40 at his pro day at TCU, because if he does, there's no chance he's going to be available there. Quentin Johnston just did the jumps at, at the NFL Combine, and both of them were like high 90th percentile. He measured in almost 6'3", 208, is awesome down the field. Just absolutely fabulous down the field. Um, and then the the other thing, the utility that you get from because his game is all about acceleration, that leads into the long speed. And then he has a powerful upper body, you know, at the, at the fortified 208 thing. Um, he doesn't change directions as well. So that he has to get separation via that acceleration or whatever. But he is so good down the field that cornerbacks have to play off of him and sit back on the heels. Another thing of sort of sitting dead red back on the heat. And then Quentin Johnston can do the thing of just jutting across the field on the crossers, the slants, whatever. And if you've got a quarterback that can hit him on the hands, he can do damage that way because he also breaks tackles after the catch. But it's basically those two utilities. But when you think about a guy that you need across from Justin Jefferson, as long as those two utilities are plus, 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 and they certainly were in college when Quentin Johnson was not playing with a good quarterback, you get him with a quarterback that can recognize when he's open and hit him on the hands. I think his game's only going to play up, and I think he'll be a fabulous fit across from Jefferson. How good are his route running skills? Well, with those two routes, they're they're very good. You know, in, in terms of like whether it's it's screaming across the field in the intermediate area when the guys are playing off of him or sitting back on the heels and down the field, the utility there is very good. What he's not as good at, it's the changing directions, snapping off the route and then quick coming back. His change of direction stuff just is not as good. But like you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater with the kid because the eval, for instance, of DK Metcalf was very, very similar. DK Metcalf absolutely bombed the agility drills, which is why Quentin Johnson might just duck them outright. But like the, the utility of a guy like Quentin Johnson, it's very similar to DK Metcalf. He might not have exactly the same superhero type build that DK does with, with, with all the muscles, but it's very similar in terms of the downfield utility and then the, the speed and, and the play strength playing off of each other in the intermediate area. So you like this one? I do. I love this one. Dex, why don't you go to Daniel Jeremiah's mock? All right, let's go to oh, Daniel boy. Jeremiah. Uh, move the oh, sticks. Boy. One of the most plugged-in draft experts there is. He uh, he has a 3.0 out on NFL.com here. Uh, so let's let's take a look. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, first two picks off the board. Will Anderson Jr. goes to the Cardinals, of course. Anthony Richardson to the Colts. He jumps to four in this one. Uh, let's see here. Skipping around a little bit. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll even bury the lead. Let's just go to the Vikings here. So that, that's that's a juicy uh, juicy uh, discussion here. Daniel Jeremiah has the Minnesota Vikings at pick twenty three, taking Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback. He says the Vikings have been doing their homework on this quarterback class. Hooker is a well is well liked around the league, and he could sit a year behind Cousins before taking over and ushering in a new era of Ke- or for Kevin O'Connell. Hendon Hooker, pick twenty three. Thor. Yeah, I, I I hate this one just as much reach. as I like the Quentin the Quentin Johnston pick. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a reach, and it's on a guy that it would be bizarre to reach on at a at a weird position too. If the Vikings intend to try to uh, compete next year, but you're you're going to take a quarterback who's already 25, who is coming off a torn ACL, who may not be back until November. Like I mean, Hendon Hooker's entire rookie career, or I'm sorry, rookie season might be a wash because of the torn ACL that he had last November, whatever. And then all of a sudden, now he's going to be 26 and turning 27 in what would be his true rookie year. Like, what what are we doing at that point? What I mean, you could sign Lamar Jackson at this point for only two first-round picks. That's what the tender offer is. 
why would you give one first round pick to a guy like Kendon Hooker? We talked before about, uh, you know, Tennessee, uh, Josh Heupel is their play caller, whatever. Josh Heupel is one of the best play callers in college football. The, Jalen Hyde is, is a uh, receiving prospect who is super overrated because of the awesome situations that Josh Heupel schemed him wide open into. Uh, Hendon Hooker was a guy that earlier in his career, he was called a dual threat, but nobody was afraid of his arm when he was at Virginia Tech. All of a sudden, he goes to Tennessee. He actually lost the the the, the derby to become the starting quarterback out the gate to this kid named Joe Milton, a former uh, Michigan quarterback. You guys might remember he played the Gophers of, you know, several years ago, whatever. But then uh, Hooker ended up taking over for Milton and then was obviously really, really good these last couple of years. But here's a couple of things I want to point out to people. A lot, he, yes, he's good down the field and he does have a solid arm, but a lot of the looks that he got down the field uh, to Jalen Hyatt mostly were wide open. Uh, Jalen Hyatt had zero contested catches last year down the field, even though he got the majority of his looks down there, again, because of how good Josh Heupel is at scheming. The other thing is people will say uh, Hendon Hooker is a dual threat, which is true. You know, he, he can air it out down the field, and, and he is a good athlete, and he, he can do damage outside the pocket. But here's the thing with him. It's not at the same time. It's one or the other. You know, th- there's quarterbacks like, you know, Bryce Young and, and, for instance, where he's scrambling around and he's doing it to buy time, and then he's going to try to hit someone right when he sees that opening. That is not Hendon Hooker. In Hendon Hooker, let, let, let me pull up this stat here. Uh, so so, per, so, so this, I, I found this on PFF. Uh, Hooker, there was 151 times over the last two years when he was moved off of his spot in the pocket. So 151 times last two years where he's scrambling around. He only threw, or I'm sorry, he only completed seven passes on those 151 dropbacks where he was moved off his spot while he was scrambling. When he starts to run, he is only a runner. He is not looking to throw. So the dual threat element, it's it's not at the same time. It's either one or the other. I I don't love him as a prospect for all these different reasons. I think he's a schemed up kid. He's older than than the rest of the class coming off the injury, and I, I just wouldn't do it. So on the, this uh, scheming note, Thor, I think we should explain it too, and you, you can explain this best, but I'm sure if you are, are not a college football fan and you're a Vikings fan, you're saying, well, Kevin O'Connell is good at scheming. He can scheme. Explain the difference between the college scheming and what, what we think of as scheming in the National Football League. I think that's an important uh, difference to note. Yeah, sure. In, in the NFL, because the athletes are so good, it makes up for some of this stuff. So like the, like, how do you say there's more schematic advantages to be had the lower down you go in the levels because you don't have the athletes on the field that can just wipe away any mistakes and clean up the messes on the field or whatever. And in college, when you have a really good uh, play caller that can isolate this stuff and has a really super duper smart scheme, you can get athletes isolated onto guys that were the inferior athletes, not only that, but on the side of the field where there, there is not deep help. That's what happened over over and over again with Jalen Hyatt, where they would get him onto these nickel guys who were just glorified, uh, you know, like uh, uh, smaller linebackers. Like DeMarco Hellams was a guy that, that Jalen Hyatt lit up. DeMarco Hellams, the strong safety for Alabama, he had to play the, the nickel in that game. So he was drawing Hyatt. DeMarco Hellams is one of the worst coverage safeties in the entire Power Five. That was one of the five games where Jalen Hyatt went off this year, and it was the only good season that Jalen Hyatt had on campus. But Josh Heupel is really good at identifying those things, figuring out how he can get that matchup by the, the both by the formation and also the pre-snap movement or whatever. And then with Hendon Hooker, this is another thing we didn't talk about, but this is another big thing that you're concerned about. He does more of his reading before the snap than he does after it. 
So, so he, he's looking for the numbers. Like, how many safeties do we have, have up there? Is it one or two? Then he's figuring out what side of the field is there the less numbers on? Where do we have the number advantage? And, and invariably, every single time, the way that Hendon Hooker is looking the side of the field, it's where Tennessee has the number advantage. He doesn't even look to the other side. The only times he does, it's when he's faking that way and then going the other way because Tennessee will also do the thing of giving you the look that you saw earlier in the game on one side to create confusion. And then Hendon Hooker will like set like he's faking that way, but then we'll immediately reset to the other side of the field where there's only one guy, like Jalen Hyatt running the wheel route down the sideline, whatever. Th- th- that's where you get a lot of this stuff. Josh Heupel is not like other play callers in the NCAA. His system is totally unique. It's what made Drew Locke a, a-, a big-time draft prospect, even though he didn't deserve it. The-, the good positions he was in, Josh Heupel was the Missouri offensive coordinator back in the day. It's the reason why everyone thought that Albert O kid, the tight end, why he was such a good prospect, even though – he, Alberto moves directions like the Suez uh, Canal tugboat or whatever because it, it, during he gets stuck. He does, yeah. He just like <laughs> he's straight line fast, but he can't do anything else. But Heibel was able to figure it out with his skill set um, in, in terms of getting him down the field and into open spots. Alberto had like ten touchdowns as a freshman, but like eight or nine of them. If, if you watch back the highlight reel of Alberto's uh, film, his touchdowns that year, eight or nine of them, he is wide open. There is nobody even close to him. And again, it, it's all this Josh Heupel machination stuff. That should concern you as a Vikings fan with Hooker. We don't know if Hooker can read the entire field. He has never been asked to do it. So, I mean, like, and that's in conjunction with all the other concerns that I just said. This is not a first-round prospect. It absolutely is not. And if the Vikings do it, I'm putting my home on the market the next day. So would, would you not draft him at all? Like, like let's say he fell, he won't probably, but to the third round. Would, would you I, gamble I there? The yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I have Hendon Hooker ranked as QB six, which is mostly just on the tools, and then sort of you know you can take the 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 dart throw after that, right? Like maybe we can build him up, and maybe we can try to teach him like Hendon, you don't have to run every time you tuck the ball. Like you know, try to work on him with stuff like that, and then just see about the progression stuff. He's never had to do it, so it's not like we we can categorically say he can't do it. He's facing a really long road with that. And that's sort of precarious when you're thinking about this kid who's already 25 years old. But in the third round, that's where the juice starts to become worth the squeeze with that in that regard. Because he has he does have the tools, he does have the production with that. You know he can get the ball down the field. You know that he's a good athlete who does damage as a runner. But there's these other red flags and scary things in there where you just can't take him before the third round. That that I'll probably have him ranked as a late third rounder. Again, I have him at QB sex. First round would be a joke. Who, who is QB um, five then? I, I think me, I know the first four. Yeah. For, for me, it's Tanner McKee of, of Stanford. Okay. Yeah. And, and he's a big pocket passer. He doesn't give you the athleticism, but I know that he can go across the field with the progressions. And I also know that he can do damage at all three sectors of the field. He's accurate out to those three sectors. And he, he you know, he's gone through the progression work. It's not the same thing with Hooker where he's literally never turning his head. Like Hooker might as well be a mannequin in the pocket when he's passing because he's Sounds just like a really bad back. idea to even speculate on him going in the first round or to any team level. Absolutely not take well, no team should take Hendon Hooker in the first round. Absolutely. And then they shouldn't with, with McKee either. But both those guys for me are third round guys. I'll probably have McKee like mid third round, and then I have Hooker late third round. But yeah, the first round that that would be not a good decision by the Vikings. Thor, great stuff. As always, appreciate it. We will uh, talk to you next week. Again, Thor Nystrom, Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. You can follow him on Twitter. It is worth a follow, especially this time of year when he does not sleep. Throw at Thor, K-U, at Thor Kuth. Thor, thanks much. And uh, Dex, take us home, man.
Yeah, hit that subscribe button, Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. Sorry about your uh, Kansas Jayhawks too over the uh, over the weekend there. I thought oh, that wow. maybe that's why his voice was was hoarse after the lost oh, Arkansas. Wow. So I wasn't sure. Came with that. That was that was tough too. Yeah. Oof. We'll get through it. All right, hit that subscribe button. There's plenty of uh, Minnesota Vikings coverage right here on Purple Daily. Uh, write that down. Predictions tomorrow.